Law Enforcement Today radio show. I'm your host. My name's John J. Wiley. In addition to being a radio broadcaster, I'm a retired police sergeant. For latest news articles and much more, check out our website, letradioshow.com. In the Law Enforcement Today show, we'll be joined by special guests. We'll be talking about their experiences and issues affecting law enforcement officers, first responders, their families, their community, and victims of horrendous crimes. Be sure to like us on Facebook. Our page is Law Enforcement Today Radio Show. Check out the daily articles on our website, letradioshow.com. And while you're there, download our free app. He's a career police officer, a member of his department's canine team. He's also the founder and president of a nonprofit which helps canines and canine teams throughout his state and across the United States. And it's coming up on the Law Enforcement Today Show. Who can first responders turn to when they need help? Shatterproof at FHE. Providing world-class, exclusive treatment services for first responders suffering from exposure to trauma, PTSD, anxiety, depression, and or substance abuse. For free 24-7 information, call 833-776-1420. 833-776-1420. That's 833-776-1420. Online at FHEHealth.com. That's FHEHealth.com. Under programs, you find details about Shatterproof. Calling us from the great state of Georgia. On the phone, we have Kyle Briley. Kyle is a police officer in Statesboro, Georgia. Statesboro Police Department, the Canine Impact Team. And he's also the president founder of Georgia Police Canine Foundation. Kyle, thanks so much for joining us on the phone. Hey, thanks for having us. It is a pleasure. I am a big dog person. We have big dogs, but my wife and I are really big in dogs and cats and rescues. And anytime we can talk about dogs and canines and working dogs and what they do for us and, and their handlers and the teams, I'm always game on for that. Oh, yeah, man. It's a good time. It's one of the best positions in an agency that you can have if you like dogs, of course. I do, and I never got into canine work. Uh, in my department, uh, the Baltimore Police Department, back in the day, I love dogs, but I was not in a position to do it, and I've always been fascinated. I always love what they do. Before we get into talking about your career in law enforcement and canine work, let's talk a little bit about your foundation and what it does. Sure, man. We started back in 2016. Where the name is the Georgia Police Canine Foundation. It all started with helping or wanting to help one of our retired canines in our city that I work for, the Statesboro, Georgia. And his name was Bruno, and he retired medically because uh, he had some hip issues. And typically what I found out was that we weren't an unusual department or agency or city that doesn't fund these retired canines if they have medical issues. So we kind of wanted to change that and try to get some departments on board and to raise a little bit of money to help the handlers that need help, need financial assistance. But from there, we really started to find out that people wanted to know more about dogs in general, just from the training, the imprinting stages of a dog, all the way to what do they do while they're working, where they stay, and they wanted to help. They wanted to help fund agencies that didn't have the funding or wanted to help them if they didn't have heat alarms or vests or anything like that. So that's what, so we uh, changed it up a little bit and started assisting active teams as well. Where can people get more information about the Georgia Police Canine Foundation? So they can hop on Facebook or Instagram, Georgia Police Canine Foundation, or our YouTube channel, 
and our website is gpk9f.org. And I'm checking out your website right now. Lots of cool stuff on there. If you want to know how you can help out, it's, uh, it's just do a Google search. Georgia Police Canine Foundation is another great way. Do you guys look for donations online? So we do get a lot of donations online. Facebook has actually been one of our top ones for birthday fundraisers since they allow that option for people to do birthday fundraisers. I know you have one going on as well. Mm-hmm. Through the cops, correct? Like cops? Yep. Uh, Concerns yep. Peace of Ours, yep. correct. So that that absolutely helps. A lot of organizations really helped us out a ton. But uh, the general on gpk9f.org, that's helped us a ton through the donation button there and on Facebook and just in general PayPal as well. Always remember, you can get more information. You can search on Facebook, all that stuff for Georgia Police Canine Foundation or uh, do a search on Google. Simply Georgia Police Canine Foundation, and you'll find them online. Very, very easy to do. Kyle, you've been in law enforcement quite a while now, haven't you? I've been employed with the city for 12 years that I work for. And you, you are a canine handler, correct? Correct. And do you do training as well? Yes, we, we do training every Tuesday. Uh, I'm not a trainer, and I'm not an instructor by any means, but we have a group of guys that uh, we, we, do, we do some training every week, yes. And what type of dogs do you use for? I, people don't tend to realize there's different aspects of law enforcement canine dogs. You have explosive, handgun, drug detection dogs. You have general purpose dog search and rescue. You also have cadaver dogs, and you have the ones that do general police or patrol dogs. Uh, what type of dogs do you use for general police patrol? So our city does not have any patrol dogs. We actually have two single-purpose canines, and then we have a tracking canine that's a bloodhound. Our other two are, the, are a German Shepherd and a Lab. And then the county that we're in, Bullet County, they have three patrol dogs, which one is a Dutch Shepherd, one is a Mal, and then one is also a German Shepherd. The reason I ask is there's a lot of people that want to know, and it's pretty popular, you see growing trends across the United States of rescue dogs, dogs being rescued from shelters, being trained to be police dogs, and I think that's phenomenal. Why can't they do that without all of them? And just from my limited experience, a lot of these dogs are trained to be drug, explosive detection dogs. You can use almost any dog, especially hounds for that. But for the police patrol type dogs, they're generally a more specific breed. Right. You'll typically see a Mal or a German Shepherd as a patrol or a Dutch Shepherd for patrol dogs, for sure, because they have a different a different mindset. Quote, we can put that in quotes there. Yeah. Uh, they just have a different type of drive in them. Well, I've noticed a lot of people have fallen in love with the Belgian Malinois after the raid, the al-Baghdadi raid, and the dog involved in that. And they're like, i got to get one. i got to get one. Right. And I have Rottweilers. Right. And I always tell people, we love our Rottweilers. They're phenomenal dogs. We've had them for 20 years. But they're not a breed for everybody. And the Mal- right. Malinois certainly is not a breed for everyone. Right. The Malinois, they're absolutely a very high energy. They're not, they're not good for every family. I can tell you that. You you have to you have to really know what you're getting yourself into with them. Now, do you guys buy? When I say you guys, your agency or agencies around you. Do you buy your dogs fully trained or mostly trained, or do you train them yourselves? So what we do is we go down to a kennel in Florida. It's called Southern Coast Canine, and there's multiple vendors out there. That's not the only one in Florida, but just specifically what we where we've gotten our two drug detection canines is from Southern Coast. And they are imprinted, and then with any dog that you buy from a kennel, 
uh, any agency or any handler will tell you that you have to maintain that training. So right. that's the vital part of it is to maintain the training. So the, usually what we deal with is we'll, we'll go get a dog that's imprinted, that's pretty, got it down pat pretty good, and then we just kind of maintain that training or get it just a little bit better than what we had them at. Because they're really a team. It's part of a team. And what's a weak link with dogs? It's usually the, the human aspect. Right. There's a simple equation. It's stimulus equals response equals reward. I've heard, I've heard it from top trainers all over the world. And where handlers really mess it up is they try to get in the middle of that. If you just let the dog work, of course, some dogs need a little bit of help. With That's part of the training aspect. But uh, that's where we really start messing things up is when we try to involve ourselves or our theories or our way of thinking in the middle of that simple equation. Now, there are advantages to buying dogs uh, mostly trained. And nowadays, quite often, there's it's a matter of manpower and time. Back when I was a rookie police in Baltimore, what they did was they went to animal shelters and took German shepherds that were dumped at the animal shelters because it was too high energy. And they worked with them and trained them with their handler. And it was a long, arduous process. And these, these men and women were off the street for a very long time getting this done. Uh, and there's still no guarantee that the dog had the right health, the right th- uh, disposition, the right temperament. But most of them turned out to be really, really good. However, nowadays, it's not something most agencies can afford to do, is it? No, it's not. It's not it's unfortunately, that's not what, what they can do. So what they end up doing is they either get a donated dog from a private trainer, which, which turns out just as, just as good. You just have to find that one trainer that knows what he's doing, he or she's doing. And then there are the the dogs that you were talking about at, at the rescues and the pounds that, that have potential and they just aren't given that chance. But it's, it's that path of least resistance of being able to just go to a kennel and know that you're getting a dog that's already have has all that imprint in them and it's going to perform. And and uh, so it's a cost-saving feature on the on the front end. We're talking with Kyle Briley. Kyle is president of Georgia Police Canine Foundation. He's also a police officer with Statesboro, Georgia Police Department in their canine unit. We're going to talk about his career. We're going to talk about policing, especially in a canine-specific way. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. What makes Shatterproof a very unique program is it's one of the only programs in the country that first responders can go to that is 100% all first responders. Everybody's in pretty bad shape when they get here. And then 30 days later, when you can see the transformation and the difference in people when they've had 30 days uh, of counseling, working with therapists, working with a psychiatrist, getting the neuro treatment. The transformation that happens with the clients is really humbling to be able to work around and see because people are getting better here. And it just shows that there's a need for the first responder community to deal with behavioral health issues and take them seriously and offer treatment to people that may need help out there. For free 24-7 information, call 833-776-1420 or online at fhehealth.com. Are you wondering where you can find more great podcasts? Head to letradioshow.com, click Be Heard, and discover other fantastic podcasts like this one. Also available on our free app, all at letradioshow.com. If you haven't done so already, please download our app. It's 100% free. We got versions for your Android and iPhone devices, 100% free. You can download them today at our website, which is 
letradioshow.com. That's letradioshow.com. Be sure to get yours today. Back to our conversation with Kyle Briley on the Law Enforcement Today show. Kyle is a police officer in Statesboro, Georgia. I got to say this. Every time I hear or see the name Statesboro, Georgia, I think of the Allman Brothers Band and their famous song. They just... Blues. There's something about that part of the United States. Just, uh, it's a great part of the country, great people in that area. Kyle, you've been in law enforcement 12 years now, correct? Yes. What motivated you? Were you always interested in doing this? I've always been interested in it. I grew up in a family that was in law enforcement. My dad was in law enforcement. So I, I grew up around it. It was kind of an older officer once told me he, he just kind of, he also had a similar situation of where his father was in law enforcement, and it's kind of just in your DNA sometimes, where it's just kind of naturally you're you're drawn to it and you pick up to it. And I tried to go other avenues and tried to fight against that, but naturally I just went right to it. And uh, 12 years later, I'm still here. So I take it you're in for the duration until your career's over. Yeah, I don't, I don't, I don't plan on going anywhere else. I can't think of anything else I would rather do. There's a lot of misconceptions people have. Thanks to the media, and I say the media, I'm talking about news media, social media, Hollywood, uh, about what police officers are like. And, and part of the reason why we do Law Enforcement Today show is for people to get an accurate pers- uh, description or portrayal of what we are like as people. Breaking down your motivation for getting into law enforcement, I remember the old interview, and it sounds corny. When you're going through the interview stages, whether they get hired or not, why do you want to be a police? It's like to help people. That's what I wanted to do. And right. at, I didn't think of any other answer. And the really good cops I know, that's the answer they all gave. Right. If their heart's in it and they have their mind in the right place and they're not in it for power or they're not in it to just have a job, then you're going to have really effective, good police officers out there. But unfortunately, as you know, it's, it's something everybody says. Every occupation has some people that probably don't need to be in it. And it gives a bad name. Unfortunately for us, it's a nationwide thing, and um, it's just one of those situations that the good cops need to kind of step up and overshadow those those bad moments that are being displayed in the media. And I like to think that I was a good cop. I had a good career. It was shortened by injury at right around 12 years. I was retired. But I had moments where where I wasn't sterling, where it wasn't my best moments. And I, I, I always try to tell people, look, don't judge a person. This goes for police. This goes for someone, every other walk of life. Don't judge a person's entire life by five minutes of what you see. Right. Correct. Because yeah, I mean, all I've, too had, often, I've had my bad moments too. You know, yeah. I probably have my share of apologies uh, that I could give to a few people just based off my attitude or something. Yeah. yeah. When I was a little younger, but but once again, it's one of those situations. It could have been that I just got off a of back but There's really no excuse, right? It happens. Um, but, but we're all human, so we all make mistakes. Generally, my impression is that, that we had two types of officers. We had people who really wanted to do this job. And you learn. As a rookie, you, you've, you've got a steep learning curve ahead of you. Then you have people come in for the pay or the benefits. And those type of individuals, in my opinion experience, usually didn't stay very long. And if they did, they either got the calling or they left. Right. They usually end up washing themselves out or they get washed out if they're bad. Usually they want to get in trouble, want to be forced to resign. That's usually what happens. 
Yeah, the in lieu of termination type yeah. stuff. Yeah. yeah, and and none of us wants that to happen more than other police. It's one of the other misconceptions of, of the media is that we won't say anything to anybody about anything the bad stuff they do, and that's not true yeah. at all. Not true at all. We, you got to police your own, and I, I'm you know fortunate enough to work at an agency that is is very much about that uh, mentality. So you've been in the agency twelve years now. How long ago did you get into canine work? I've been doing it for about five years now. And that's a big jump from being a regular police to canine because, well, we'll go into it a little bit later on, but what made you make that transition? Right. I had a little bit of a transition period. I went from working patrol to working with our, at the time it was called the crime suppression unit, which was basically a quality of life crimes, like a drug type unit. And while I was on the road, though, I started working with the two canine handlers that we that were at the time. And I liked what they did because it seemed like they were going beyond uh, a ticket and in, in, in trying to, to find criminal activity, not just drugs, but just criminal activity on traffic stops. And when I'm in something, I don't like to be in it mediocre level. I want to be at it 100%. And if I liked doing that, then I started working with them more. And then I went to the drug unit, which I was able to learn a ton, which I was able to apply working with a dog. So it was a little bit of a transition period from going from patrol to working kind of a drug-type investigation role and then back to patrol, um, not necessarily patrol, but back in uniform working a dog. So it was a little different, and it was a, but it was an easy transition because while I was on the drug unit, I say drug unit, but it was kind of the crime suppression team. Yeah. But when, when I went back, it was kind of an easier tra- transition for me because I was ready to get out of that, and I was starting to work more with the dogs the whole that whole those whole years that I was I was doing that. So did, did you come so from a dog was, background? A lot of people that are in canine, you know, were dog trainers or raised around dogs, and as part of their DNA. No, we had dogs growing up, but I I wasn't a trainer or anything like that. I just found it interesting and wanted to learn more about it and while I was working with the or when I was training with the dog handlers I found that type of training interesting uh, but any previous background of me being a trainer or anything I had nothing nothing like that I find it kind of odd that you transitioned to canine work and it's one thing to love dogs and have them be part of your life as pets but to work in a cane as part of a canine team it's a totally different ball of wax and it's a huge lifestyle commitment isn't it yeah, it's a it's a huge lifestyle commitment. I don't think a lot of people understand that when they take it on, but um, you know we're compensated fa- very fairly at my agency for it, and 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 I'm very grateful for that. The I've talked to other handlers throughout the state, and and they're not necessarily compensated correctly for for do- devoting this time, and they do a lot of stuff on their own time, and and that's really what that's really what you want out of a handler, though. That they're putting in the time and the work to make sure that they're serving, they're doing the, the dog a good service, you know, and then they're also doing a good service for themselves as well as the community that they're serving. I love dogs. Don't get me wrong. But one of the reasons I didn't go into canine work was the thought of having a barking dog in my ear for eight to ten hours a shift yeah. and then going home with them. I- be like screaming would you would you shut up i mean i talk yeah, to my dogs actually, all the time we actually have a dog in the county that barks thankfully not my dog and we always give the handler a hard time but his name is dutch the dog's name is dutch and he's a dutch shepherd he constantly barks the entire shift 
uh, anywhere we go, the dog's barking or making some type of noise. So <laughs> that handler has a lot of patience. But uh, thankfully, my dog, he's, like, really quiet and silent. He will bark uh, when he sees other things or, or gets uh, gets excited, but he doesn't bark the entire time. So I, I understand because I've heard people, uh, when he keys up on the radio to talk to his dispatch, he, you can hear the dog in the background. I'm like, when he rides by us um, in the car and we're just standing outside, the dog's barking. I'm like, man, you, you have a lot of patience. He uh, tones it, it out now, though, I guess. It takes a special breed of person to do that. And uh, I, I talk to my dogs all day long. Not as bad as my wife. She talks to them. She talks to cats. She talks to herself. And then she talks to me. We are talking with Kyle Briley. Kyle is a police officer, part of the canine unit in Statesboro, Georgia. Also president of the Georgia Police Canine Foundation. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. There's only one official Facebook page. What you do, you do a search on Facebook for Law Enforcement Today radio show. Click like and follow. There you'll find updates about upcoming episodes of the radio show. You can contact me. We also find unique, one-of-a-kind editorials and news articles. That is our Facebook page, Law Enforcement Today radio show. Be sure to click like and follow. We'll see you there. Flintstone Media has been the digital messaging bedrock of several brands and businesses, serving as a highly resourceful podcast production house and consultancy firm for over six years. Work with a leader in the industry and add a new podcast to your brand's content offerings. From show development and setup through recording and distribution, Jemmy will lend her experience launching dozens of podcasts and producing over a thousand episodes, making creating your show a simple and easy turnkey process for you. Visit FlintstoneMedia.com for podcast samples. That's FlintstoneMedia.com. This is Law Enforcement Today's show. Joining us on the phone, Kyle Briley. Kyle is a police officer in Statesboro, Georgia. Also president and founder of the Georgia Police Canine Foundation. Do a search on Google for Georgia Police Canine Foundation and you will get their website. They're also on Facebook and all that stuff too. We'll talk more about your organization in a little bit. One of the things I think that's very interesting to people, Kyle, is the public has a fascination with police work. And it's been very popular in television shows and movies for what for a long time. And there's also a lot of negative press out there. But one of the things, I know what it's like to be a cop. I know what it's like to be involved in really bad stuff and really good stuff. But what I don't know, and I think a lot of people don't know, is what it's like to be a cop who's a canine handler and having to go through these things as well. Is it different than when you were working patrol or narcotics on your own before you had the dog? Yeah, I mean, I think over a period of time, things change a little bit as you progress throughout your career just because of how you look at things differently and you learn from every call that you go on. So when you include a dog into it, things definitely change, especially if you're working a patrol dog because you're encountering a lot more like violent criminals or or situations that are going to potentially be violent. Uh, And you also have to put the dog in a situation when it's a patrol dog. Well, we'll explain the difference in a moment. With patrol dog, they oftentimes go out to the fleeing felons. They'll go into the room to get the guy who's hiding. Right. Uh, and as a handler, I think I'd be scared to death that my dog might get hurt. Right. And that's where training comes in. Training is super, super, super uh, important when it comes to situations like that. Obviously, you can't control or train uh, for every scenario. But I think when the handlers have the proper training, especially with patrol dogs, 
that they have every bit of confidence in their dog to perform at the highest level. And we're asking them to do something that we don't want to do, obviously, or we don't want to put ourselves in that situation. And it's not necessarily sending in a dog so he can get killed. It's sending in a dog so that he can perform his job and perform the duties and want it to be successful as success. One of the big worries and fears I had was making sure my partners, when I say my partners, the, the officer who worked the post next to me or our side partners, we called them, making sure they're okay. I was always afraid they would get hurt, especially if I did something. So then adding to that component of policing and you have all the things you can't control, all the violence, all the armed people, all the emotionally disturbed people, and then to be responsible for the welfare of this dog who's got a right. job to do. I don't know, quite honestly, if I could do, could have done it. Right. Like you said earlier, though, it takes a special type of person to be able to take on that responsibility as well. But the, the, but the upside of that is that you also have a tool, I say that in quotes as well, uh, that's going to help and assist these partners, these human partners that you have next to you that may be able to potentially save their life, save your life and their life. So... Uh, as much as it may be like, oh, I'm, I'm worried about the dog and I'm worried about the safety of the dog, you also have this great asset, uh, this great living, breathing animal that wants to do right by you and, and do right in the call. And he, he doesn't necessarily, he or she doesn't necessarily know that he's helping you know, save your life or save your partner's life, your human's partner's life, but, but they're doing what you asked them to do. And then in return, that could potentially happen. There's been several cases all throughout the United States and in Georgia where the dog has saved officers' lives numerous times. They're phenomenal. I, I, I re- recall one incident, I should say, that was a, a pursuit. I don't even remember what the guy was wanted for, armed robbery or something. He was armed. There's a big foot pursuit. I was involved in the pursuit, and all of a sudden, a canine guy came up, and he's like, canine's here, and he let the dog out, and we all stopped. Right. Because the one right, thing we were taught early on is that they don't know that they're seeing a bad guy and the police running. If you're running, they're going to take you down. Right. And that's what this, we all stopped. The bad guy didn't. And, uh, well, the dog tackled him by his by his foot. Yeah. 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 They're incredible. Man. They, they're so, amazing so. to watch. And they're really not that far different from Fido, who warms your feet at your house. It's the same right. animal. It's about the people behind those animals that train them to get to where they're at. That's right. And that's one of the things that I don't think a lot of people understand. You work with this dog every day that you work, and does your dog at your agency go home with you? Yeah, he does. And there, and I don't think I've met anyone locally or within the state that I know personally that doesn't take their dog home with them. Uh, I have met some, some uh, handlers with some federal agencies that have some rules in place where they don't take their dog home with them but every georgia canine handler that i know of uh, takes their dogs home so it's part of the it's part of the family so whether they're whether they're single or they have a family with kids the dog is part of the family at that point and what's your dog's name by the way his name's rio and would you say what type of breed he was or no yeah he's a, he's a german shepherd and okay. he's almost he'll be eight next year so he's getting close to retirement age yeah, uh, I think you'll have a good, if everything goes smooth as possible, as we all know, dogs can, you know, anything can happen to a dog and it can affect them really quick. But if everything's run smooth, uh, he should have at least another year or two, if not two. I'm hoping to get two more years out of him. So he'll he'll be 10, but we'll see. And Rio is a German Shepherd. And what type of canine work does he specialize in? 
he's a single purpose drug detection canine. So he alerts or finds the odors of meth, marijuana, heroin, cocaine, and ecstasy. And you would think back in the day, you would think that places like Statesboro, Georgia, you don't have a big call for that. But that's not true, is it? No, that's not true. We use our dogs um, on average. The two drug detection canines for the city, we use them probably each around 30 to 35 times a month. So you're, you're looking at, you have breaking it down. I think one year I broke it down and it was, we were using them one time per hour, if not one and a half times per hour, if you want to break it down uh, by average. Of course, that, that, that's not every single day. It just depends on the day. But average, that's what it was looking at like for, for a year. And the rest of the time we're not doing that, what do you do? So I'm assigned to the impact team, which is like another quality of life type crime. And I'm the corporal over the, the canine unit and that. So I will, uh, my primary responsibility is to make sure that the canines are good to go and that we're doing that. So if we're stopping cars and we're trying to find criminal activity, we're also following up on any type of investigation, lead, investigative lead that's available that we have time for, but also assisting my my supervisor and he has uh, officers that are assigned to investigate certain criminal activity cases that they're given to look into so you've got to do the regular supervision stuff you've got a full slate of things responsibilities you have to do daily and then you have your canine responsibilities when called upon yes that's a full plate isn't it it's a full plate but i think uh i think our team operates pretty well so so it's it's going well so far one of the things I, I do recall, granted, things have changed. Laws have changed. You always have constant rulings in the Supreme Court about car stops and, and searches and things of that nature. And quite often what we do is if we had someone, and you, you wind up having a reasonable suspicion they've got drugs in the car and a large amount. And I have one car stopped. And for many reasons, I, I watched a car that came to my attention they committed a minor traffic violation and pulled them over. I was talking with the driver. I was a sergeant at the time. And I said to him, listen, you've got a lot of things about the car doesn't make sense. I think you're transporting narcotics and we have two choices here. I can call for a canine, a drug detection dog, to come up here and do an outer search of your vehicle, at which time we can then search it. If you find what you find, you can place it on arrest or... If you've got some in your car, you can let me know. At which time he turned around and said, you got me. I've got two pounds of marijuana right behind my driver's yeah, seat. It's, it's, people, people don't believe me when we go to grand jury and we have these cases. And, and much like what you did was ask for consent to search. Basically. And they tell you. People, people, people give it to you. People they, give you consent to search. It's amazing. It's the craziest the first thing. Time, the first time I got it was on what we call like a knock and talk. You knock on the door and you, you, you say, hey, you know, we got this complaint about y'all using drugs. Well, let me take a quick so break. First, we're going to talk more about this when we return. This is Law Enforcement Show. Don't go anywhere. We'll be right back. Missed an episode of Law Enforcement Today? You don't have to anymore because now you can listen to it on Podopolo, the free new app that makes listening anytime, anywhere so easy. Catch up on shows you've missed and chat with John J. Wiley right there, too. Download for free on the Apple or Google Play stores. That's Podopolo. And John J. Wiley wants to hear from you inside Podopolo. Has this ever happened to you? You sign up for a free email newsletter, and within hours, you're receiving tons of spam. That won't happen when you subscribe for the free Law Enforcement Today radio show email newsletter. We won't spam you. No more than two emails a week. I promise. 
All subscribers are automatically entered in all future contests. Sign up at letradioshow.com. Scroll down to the sign-up area. That's letradioshow.com. This portion of the Law Enforcement Today radio show is brought to you in part by Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. Everyone's welcome at the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page, where you'll find fun, informative, and enjoyable posts daily. Purebred, mixed breeds, rescues, we love them all. Be sure to like the Pet Rescue Life Facebook page. This is Law Enforcement Today show. I'm John J. Wiley, joined by Kyle Briley. Kyle is a police officer in Statesboro, Georgia part of their canine impact unit and also he's a president and founder of the georgia police canine foundation do a search on google for georgia police canine foundation we'll talk more about what they do in a moment before we went to break we started talking about consent to search and primarily when it involved narcotics and it's happened with guns as well and when you talk to someone and they know you've they've got you, you've got them and they know you're on the ball and you say hey i'm a call for canine to come search your car the outside of your car, and they say, I got, here it is. And it's more common and more happens more often than people would think. Yeah, it's amazing how many people, you know, we as canine handlers are, we could get into the whole, like, legal aspect, but me and the handlers that work for me or work with me, uh, we will nine times out of ten get consent to search somebody's vehicle. And it's all about your approach, it's all about how you talk to people, and it's all about the lead-up, and and nine times out of ten, if we're asking to consent to search their vehicle, we already have enough what we call reasonable suspicion. If they deny us consent, that we'll, we'll then put our dog out there and do it. But people will give you consent every single time. Most, most of the time, they will give you consent. And it happens, I always say, far more often than people would think. And yeah. usually they'd say, you got me, officer. This is what I got. Yeah, at that point, usually if you do like a good, thorough investigation kind of like what you were talking about of things not adding up and you and you call them out on those things and and you break them down they're they're already at a point where they just don't want to do anymore they just want to they just give up and we've also had situations where no matter what you did they would not give up and you call the dog and the dog would you know do an exterior search by scent and then they had a sign they would use the the hanger say this car is dirty right and that's the situation with you guys what Without giving away trade secrets, what typical sign is your dog trained to, to do? Uh, ours are primarily what we look for is to sit on the final response. All right. So they walk around the outside and they smell something. Mm-hmm. That, and by the way, their sense of smell is tremendous. Uh, oh, yeah. Then they sit and you're like, okay, this is it. And then you turn it back over to the investigating officer and say, this is where you need to check. Right. And then usually what we do is we'll go talk to the the uh, driver or the occupants and we'll explain the dog's alert and what the dog alerts to is the odors and and then we'll try to get them to talk to us a little bit about why the dog would have alerted um and it could have and sometimes being in a college town where we're at a lot of a lot of what people will say is well i i smoked marijuana earlier in the day and it's in my clothes and 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 like you said the dog's uh, smell is incredible so it could be in the clothes and we can't smell it but the dog can smell it and it could get in the interior of the vehicle and the overall contamination is is that he's and we're i'm just using marijuana as an example uh-huh. because it's such a such a strong odor and i know some states have it legal but this is just a just an example for georgia where it's still illegal and then you have things like fentanyl you have to worry about that's got to be another right. fear for you as a canine handler because if the dog inhales any of that that's life-threatening Right, absolutely. Fortunately, we have not had that happen here, 
Uh, we've heard of some cases here and there throughout Georgia, but a lot of these canine handlers have, and not just not just handlers, officers have Narcan on them now, which reverses those uh, those effects and uh, helps save lives. So, when you say Narcan, one of the things that, uh, and I know that a lot of agencies are now carrying that specifically for the officers and the canine dogs, and they also for people who overdose. People love to argue all the time. We'll let them die. Well, you just can't. You can't let them die. A life yeah, is a life. Part, that's not part of our job. No, and I, part of me wants to say that, but the other part, the reality is, is when you're on scene and, and someone is at death's door, you'll do anything to try to save them. I don't, I don't care how right. bad a person they were. It doesn't right. matter. It's a horrible thing to witness. And I'll be totally right. honest with you, Kyle. I've been there when people take their last breaths that were bad guys that were shot and drug deals and whatever. And it, those things change you. Oh, they absolutely do. It doesn't, you know, it's kind of like uh, what we were talking about earlier. Don't judge somebody based off five minutes. You know, you may have a judgment on this person as, as a drug user, and, and people outside of us will say, well, they just, you know, deserve to not let them die. They're going to keep doing it. But we don't know their whole history. You know, we don't know what just happened to cause them to get here. And if we give them that opportunity by doing what we're asked to do, uh, which is not to let them just sit there and die, then we're going to try to do it as much as possible. That brings up a great point. Uh, just recently, Shia LaBeouf, the actor, recognized a police officer, I believe it was in Georgia, as a matter of yeah, fact, who arrested him yep. and said it, it helped turn his life around and get him back on yep. the right track. How many times in our careers have we met people that you thought they were, they would never mount to anything, they would just be drug addicted or, or drinking or drunk their entire lives, and then one day you're right there and, and everything changes for them? You're absolutely right. I've you know I've I've been fortunate to get like one or two people to contact me back and say, oh, you know, you helped change. And but ultimately, you know, we may have been there to help, you know, get that going. But it's up to the person to want to get help and to do it. So I give them all the uh, the kudos back. Is that you know they had a choice. I was just there doing. We're there doing our job, and uh, obviously it's a it's a good job that we're doing. So long as we're following what we need to be following, but it's up to them to. To, to change we have very little control over the outcome whether it be use of force or them turning their lives around back to our conversation with the dogs working with dogs especially in the, in the south in the summertime it's hard enough on humans you get the soft body armor you got anything else going on you get in a foot pursuit you get overheated you and i've all been there but with dogs that can become a life-threatening situation when they get too hot isn't it absolutely it can take a one to two degree temperature change in a dog that could potentially cause death for them. So what do you guys do? I know you mentioned you got heat alarms. That's one of the issues that's big throughout uh, police departments in the United States for, for canine dogs. Right. So we have heat alarms. That, I mean, just yesterday we had a handler that uh, the temperature got above 88 degrees in the car because they had a little bit of an issue with the A.C., and thankfully, the heat alarm activated, rolled down the windows, blew air. We were right there beside it. And the dog wasn't in any distress by any means. And, and thankfully for the heat alarm, it, it alerts you way before the dog is, should, be, should be in distress. But so the heat alarms, uh, the handlers have to take into consideration that they need the, to have the AC on, going really good for the dog. They have other things out there like cooling vests, which you can put on the dog and to cool them down faster. But the heat is absolutely very, very bad down here. So that's something that we have to monitor uh, even in the, the the winter months that we have. 
And those things, by the way, not all agencies have the money to provide that type of equipment. And that's one of the things that you guys do through Georgia Canine, Police Canine Foundation, correct? Yeah, you're, yes, yes, sir. So you got the heat alarms, soft body armor for the dogs. What else do you guys raise money for and provide? Uh, we provide Narcan and medical kits if, we, if need be, uh, but we, we mainly focus on uh, the heat alarms and the ballistic vest, but we also do a lot with training uh, because, like we were talking about earlier, you got to have the proper training. It's, it's, it's the same with a human that you need to go send. You need, you need to go to proper schools. You need to get proper training so that you can perform well and be and be a good police officer, just like with with canine. So we provide good seminars. We bring in good training. Like I said, I'm not a trainer, but I know what good training is, and we can bring in uh, top level trainers from all over the world and provide it. Usually, either low low cost, if not free. We just we just put a seminar on for free, where about thirty, I think thirty five teams or so came, and they were able to train with some of the best trainers that we were able to bring in at that time. And none of that stuff is free. All that stuff costs money, right? So I, you, your fundraising must be nonstop. Yeah, so we have really strong support, just like we were talking about earlier with uh, the Facebook fundraisers for the birthdays or sponsors as well and we have annual events throughout the year our biggest one is in june and it's held in statesboro but we have i think i was looking at our calendar the other day we have about eight or nine lined up for next year already so that's going to be a tremendous help as well and if someone just wants to make a five or ten dollar donation they can go right to your website and do that or sure. another agency wants the information to help they go online and search you out yeah sure thing and if they send us a message on facebook or send us an email it usually comes right to me and uh, depending on work, I usually get back with somebody within about an hour or so. Well, I'll say one thing. You've been very responsive to me. So, by the way, do a search on Google for Georgia Police Canine Foundation. Website is gapolicecaninefoundation.org. And it links to all their Facebook and other social media presence are right there. And if you can help out, help out. If you need help, you need information, contact Kyle. They'd be more than happy to help out and uh, point you in the right direction. Kyle Bradley, thanks so much for your service, and thanks for being a guest on Law Enforcement Today's show. Very much appreciated. Hey, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. I'd like to thank our guests so much for coming on the Law Enforcement Today radio show. The Law Enforcement Today radio show is a nationally syndicated radio show broadcast on numerous stations once a week and growing. If you enjoyed the podcast version of the show, please do me a big favor. Tell a friend. I'll be back in just a couple days with a brand new episode of the Law Enforcement Today radio show and podcast. Until then, this is John J. Wiley. See ya.